0: Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Nelson, and welcome to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops, the podcast devoted to all things winter maintenance. The Snow and Ice Cooperative Program, or Psychop for short, is one of Ashto's technical service programs. One of our primary objectives is to share information about winter maintenance, operations, and road weather. Now, usually, when you mention winter maintenance and road weather, the mind conjures up images of those northern states where winter comes in October and hangs around until April. But there are plenty of states across the South that have their hands full with all kinds of road weather challenges. On this episode, we're going to visit with Kevin Duby, Arizona DOT's statewide road weather manager, about his state, Arizona, where the weather challenges are as diverse as the landscape. Hi, Kevin, and welcome to PSYCOP Talks Winter Offs.
1: Hey, Rick. It's great to be here. Thank you. For, thank you for having me.
0: You know, Kevin, when you mention Arizona, a lot of people... Well, some people are going to think about the Four Corners area, you know, that unique place in the U.S. where four states share a common point, or maybe the image of snowbirds migrating from the northern states to escape the winter come to mind. But Arizona really does have a wide range of geography, and I suspect that keeps a road weather manager pretty busy.
1: Oh, absolutely it does. I mean, Arizona, Arizona is a great state. It's very diverse in weather, and I'll, I'll tell you, Rick, it's... It, you know, you can go from the California border, um, in Arizona, uh, up towards Flagstaff and you're basically going from 500 foot in elevation on the I-40 corridor up to, um, Flagstaff, which is about 7,000 foot in elevation. And you're doing this within a 200 mile uh, segment on long I-40. So you can imagine that's a pretty steep incline. And, um, and we also have some pretty good, decent curves along that with well, uh, as well with grades. So, um, overall it's, it's, it's very diverse in that in that sense, and we can actually have temperatures ranging from the 70s down in this very southern part of the state to where we're getting a massive uh, snowstorm that's coming down out of the north and keeping us very busy in those areas along uh, northern Arizona.
0: You know, my, my experience in Nevada is it's sort, of, sort of the same, you know, where, where we border up against California, and you can go from a very low – you know, a person can get in a, a rental car, for example – and be at 500 feet, and in a couple of hours, be in a significant blizzard uh, up on up on the pass. You know, and and you you talk about a very similar situation there. I I suspect that creates some very interesting challenges for for your program there, in addition to like the standard winter maintenance kinds of activities that you've got going on.
1: Oh, absolutely. We always have challenges, and one of the biggest things that we try to do is we try to be very proactive in our in our uh, messaging, and we do that by. You know, working so many different angles. Uh, one of the angles we work is we're, we're, a, we're a pathfinder state and we work closely with the National Weather Service. So getting that same message essentially out there and saying, hey, this is what we're going to expect. Um, th- this is what the travel conditions are we're expecting to be. And um, we want to give the public the most information we can because, you know, they play a big role in that as well. So if they can delay travel, um, it's helpful. So we want to make sure that we're giving them the best information possible um, messaging-wise and being proactive. And, uh, you know, we we could do that by, you know, so many different ways. And one of the ways that we do that is by uh, utilizing some of our snowplow cams that we we recently put on. And, you know, they always say a picture's worth a thousand words. Well, that's true. And whenever, you know, we show that, uh, those images on the road and how bad or, you know, what the roads look like, essentially, with snow-covered... Uh, hills or whatever it might be, you know, people will delay travel and that's keeping them safe and and giving them the best option, whether to travel or not. And um, it's good all around for, for everybody.
0: Yeah. You know, those, those cameras, you, you know, you really hit on a good point in words, you know, you know, back in the day, we used to have a road condition report and, and you try to articulate, you know, what, what it looks like. And, and, Everybody sort of interprets those words a little differently, you know, based on their own experiences. But when you show a picture, then it immediately it brings back either a past memory or, or uh, you know, something that helps them make a better decision or, or hopefully makes a better decision. Uh, either they've seen it before or they haven't, and, and they'll respond accordingly.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one of our actually when we first got our images and what we do is we lo- upload them onto like a social media platform we actually had over a hundred thousand views and that's reaching so many different people. And, and people are conversating underneath the, when I, when dot has its Twitter and Facebook going on, Oh, I'm glad that we have this or I'm um, thank you for sharing this information with this. Like, and it's just a picture and they're making the interpretation themselves, you know, like, can I really travel in this? I mean, should I go up from Phoenix to go in the snow when we, you know, Phoenix is, you know, it's got some clouds in the area and it's 70 degrees, but you go up that mountain that's two hours North going towards Flagstaff or, or even towards the Eastern part of the state Heber. And, you know, you're going to be, you know, stuck in queues possibly just depending on what's going on and uh, or slow traffic. So, you know, that's, that's our point. We want them to be an active participant in their decisions. And I think that's what we do very well in being proactive along with that. You know, we, we also, um, you know, we're very proactive in our, in our program of anti-icing and, and uh, trying to make sure that the, the road is it, the ice not bonded the road as long as we as long as possible. So it's a yeah, very I was, I was
0: gonna I was gonna ask you, Kevin, what kind of equipment do you have up there in, in that Flagstaff area? Is it a pretty standard suite of snow plows and things? Or
1: oh, absolutely. You know, we do have, um, and not just like, just Flagstaff, I mean, we do have about 200 plows across the state. Um, the majority of them have AVL on them, and uh, we're very excited to keep moving along and pushing forward with our AVL. I mean, we're just about 180. Uh, plows or so that have that AVL out of 200 plows across the state, um, but we do have snowblow- snowblower, snow blowers, and we also have a couple of uh, snow plows as well that we utilize um, up on the up along Flagstaff there. So,
0: yeah, and you mentioned uh, putting liquids down and, and doing the anti icing uh, stuff. You make your own brine, or
1: we do. Um, we we actually are adding more brine facilities uh, across the state because it's been such a popular thing, and and people understand that hey, you're using less salt but you know you're still being you know effective and efficient and you're being proactive and that's what we want to do and you know one of the one of our brine production facilities up in Flagstaff is just it, it can make up I think it's up to 5,000 gallons uh, per hour or so uh, of brine and it just it's just really cool looking at this uh, facility that we have up there and then of course we have a couple smaller ones but Flagstaff is is the main component of making the brine and then we'll of course, We'll utilize those and, uh, and, and ship the brine to other areas and fill them up within, you know, some brine tanks that we have that are remote areas. So,
0: mm-hmm. um, you know, when you look at a, a Northern state where snows pretty much, you know, a- across the state, the people that you have are pretty much the people that you have. Right. Um, it's very difficult to 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 move folks around, you know, from one region to another in your situation where, you know, you, you sort of have that high desert in the south and the mountains in the north. Are, are you able to to move some folks around in the wintertime or pretty much the staff that you've got up north is the staff that you've got to to work with through the course of the year? Oh,
1: that's fantastic, Rick. Um, I'm glad you hit on that. Um, you know, we do actually have a what is known as a loaner program. And what we do is we have our staff uh, that comes up from, say, Phoenix, Tucson, Yuma areas that don't typically see the snow uh, at all. And we will uh, essentially move them up north um, to different areas. So, um, you know, with the fleet, uh, you know, the Flagstaff or any of the snow regions that we have, it's all hands on deck. And, you know, other maintenance still happens. There's still accidents that occur, or still potholes that occur, all that stuff. So, you know, we have to be able to respond to that in a, in a fast, effective manner. And how else can we do that? Well, we send the people up from, from Phoenix or Yuma or, or Tucson or wherever to go up north to help out with those snow plowing activities. And it's been a fairly successful program. And, you know, we, we get some of our best drivers overall, you know, coming up from those areas and. And they really get into a, a groove, and and they they enjoy going up north, and they it, it's it's just a different perspective for them, and and it really gets them you know out of the areas that don't necessarily see the snow, and they get to get up there and and uh, uh, have fun in the snow and plow. You know, they yeah. have a good time. They're very good at it. They're very good at yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Do you do some training for those folks before they go up, or pretty much they're experienced guys? They've they've done it uh, in the past and.
1: You know, we do we do training. We uh, we adopted the the new e, uh, EDLT training, um, which was a Clear Roads uh, um, study fund, and, and we, we recently implemented implemented that into our classroom training overall, and it's that's been a huge success for us as well. Just making sure we have all that information and using the powerpoints and and all that, and be really honed in on that. But outside of that, we also have on the job training. Uh, we, we do require any new employee to go up with a, a seasoned employee and do plowing, and uh, that seasoned employee has the opportunity to really give them, you know, the boots on the ground. They give them the opportunity to give them feedback on what they're doing, how they should handle situations, when they should, uh, uh, you know, pass, a, 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 you know, along the roadway, or what, what, what do they do whenever they see a car on the side of the road, run upon an accident. Uh, moreover, though, you know, when should you apply your chemicals? Uh, what does it mean when the temperature is falling? what does it mean if you're, you know, the, the temperature's really starting to drop? Should you be really, you know, upping your salt? Sometimes salt, more salt is not always a good thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we really look at that and, um, that's part of the OJT training. And then we also, on top of that training, we have, uh, everybody must do a simulator training as well. Oh, and, really?
0: Uh, do, you, do you have a simulator program or?
1: We do, we do. And it's a, it's a very, it's a very robust program. And we have, Trainers that go into the the simulators and they have to go in there and they have to be able to pass and it's you know um, with the simulators we we try to make it as real as possible and and we give them situations where you know is the tire going to get a flat on the on the plow or is there a car stopped on the road we can even change the the environment to have you know say the two inches three inches an hour what's the whiteout condition look like so we really leverage all the training that we can get. And, um, and 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 when we put our employees out there, we're very um, happy, and we in knowing that they're doing the best job they can with all the tools that we basically gave them.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's really kind of interesting, you know, to, to sort of think about the decision making process that takes place, and and there's there's not many many vocations out there, if you will, where the uh you know extremely important decisions have to get made by the person behind the wheel, you know, when you, and you hit on just some, a, a few of them, you know, should I put more salt down? Should I not? Uh, what do I do if, you know, if there's a, a traffic jam in front of me and, and things like that? I mean, there's, there's all these decisions that have to make. And I think that training is such a important component. You can't just really throw somebody in a plow after sitting in, in front of a few PowerPoints and expect them to go out there and make good decisions about should I plow or shouldn't I plow, and and what kind of chemicals should I put down, and the application rates, and and that sort of thing. Uh, it, it's a it's a super important job uh, being out there uh, a plow operator. You're making a lot of decisions.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, and and um, our drivers understand how important they are and what critical role they they play when they're when they're plowing and making sure that they're making those right decisions. Um, one of the things that we really focus in on as well as part of our, as our training is looking at after actions and Arizona developed an AVL um, through our AVL. Uh, we develop our own dashboard essentially. And within this dashboard, this is where we really come back and look at and look at how we did with our, with our snow plowing overall. So, you know, it, how does that go? You know, you can't really measure something or manage something that doesn't get measured. Well, we do measure our snow plowing opportunities and we don't look at it as a, you know what the heck were you doing out there? We look at it as a tool of of why did we do it this way or how did we do it this way and what made that successful or what could we do better and and that's what we do and you know we we have performance measures such as you know we want to pre wet our material because not only does that activate the material much faster on the roadway but it keeps that mountain scatter right. and it's you go know, you can l- use less salt on the roadway but still be effective and that also means less trips to our shops, you know, the refill. Mm -hmm. And that's what we really do. And that's how we really look at it, including, you know, checking our spinner speeds, our speeding, you know, what are our speeds on the, on the roadway as we're plowing, you know, um, you know, interstate speeds are obviously a little faster. You don't want to go super slow because you've got trucks. I mean, they, you know, the people, people drive very fast. So absolutely. You know, that's, that's what we do.
0: You know, when it comes to making decisions, you got to have data, right? You talked about temperatures a little bit. Um, what kinds of instrumentation do you have uh, up there? You in the Arwis business? Um. <laughs>
1: Just a little bit, man. Yeah, we do have some. <laughs> we have some Arvis uh, up along those areas as well, and uh, we have Arvis across the state. And um, but the majority of them are up in the northern part of the state, and um, you know we they're 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 critical to our to our success and and and, and our future as well. And, um, we've, we've added some, you know, speaking of RWIS, we've added, you know, grip sensors along the, the, uh, the RWIS as well that kind of, that tell us, Hey, what's the roadway doing right now? And, you know, real-time data is, is imperative of how we respond to different things. For example, you know, we've set up, you know, I've set up, I was, I've been successful to be able to set up our RWIS data to, to where it goes directly into our traffic operations center. So once we start to see the grip go down or decline, we know, hey, you know, there is snow and ice on the roadway. We really should be messaging that says snow and ice ahead, uh, you know, 20, 30 miles back. So the traveling public knows what they're going to get into or what's happening up above the roadway, um, uh, you know, ahead of them Mm -hmm. or um, stuff along those lines. And it's an automatic, you know, because our TOC, the TOC is able to then verify and then kind of go. Uh, send it send out the messages to DMS. Um, Same with our PIOs. They'll actually tweet as well, those same messages. So I, 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 my goal is to be fast and accurate basically.
0: Yeah. Are those grip sensors, are they, are they fixed? Or do you have any mobile ones out roaming around?
1: They are fixed, but I'm glad you asked about the mobile ones because oddly enough stick grants do work. And I am very happy that we are able to get a stick grant for some mobile sensors. We have not deployed them just yet. We do have one up, in the state, but, um, that one's kind of like a trial trial one. Um, but we are looking to add several within our fleet to kind of to have mobile and that'll really give us kind of a overall picture of what's happening and, um, at those locations. And we can really see overall, um, from a, a management standpoint and what's going on on the roadway. Um, you know, we have some future, Plans with those, um, you know, that we're really starting to look at and, and seeing what other states are doing with their mobile uh, friction sensors as well, and their and their fixed sensors. And that's what we're that's what we're looking to do. In fact, um, uh, we ended up doing a clear roads, or I pitched an idea, um, and a couple guys really expanded on it. Uh, uh, James out of uh, Washington, and then uh, Jeremy out of Indiana. They really um, expanded on uh, on the idea to where. We're able to have a study based on the the mobile friction sensor data and and um, and how how what does that mean? When should you salt based off of that? So looking forward to that study um, within Clear Roads and and uh, moving forward.
0: You know, Kevin, you talked about our was across the state, and and I think you know when when you think about being in the in that desert kind of environment, that low elevation desert kind of environment, people might ask well, what do you use an ARWIS down there for? (laughs) Well,
1: they do ask those questions, but, you know, when you really look at it, you know, we, we have visibility issues in the Southern parts of the state too. And, um, you know, outside of weather, you, you can actually utilize those, the the ARWIS on other, other ways as well, Um, you know, payment temperatures for maintenance stuff along those lines, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're looking at the Southern part of the state, you know, we get a lot of dust storms. So again, you can be, you can be getting snow up North. You
0: get some awesome dust storms down oh, there,
1: man. And, and there, and I think you guys were able to see it when we had our, uh, our last in-person, uh, road weather, uh, stakeholders meeting down here in Phoenix. Um, you know, we, we get the ha boobs and, and they're just amazing. They really are. But, you know, when those visibility drops, it, what is also amazing is the accidents and incidents that occur with those. And, um, it it could be very dangerous for our drivers and so much so that we had a, an area to where we basically have an RWIS um, that is an, a fully automated RWIS system that lowers the speed limit. It, this is our dust detection system that we have, mm-hmm. but it lowers the the speeds based on visibility. So once the visibility starts to drop, so do the speeds. And um, we're still currently looking at that. It's still so such a new system. Um, Technology, we're still to see if there's correlation with the speeds of of when they drop, or is it due to the dust? Is a little bit of both, but you know we are trying to make it safer because in this corridor itself, you know we've had you know we did a study and within this corridor we had 83 crashes within a 10 mile segment because of dust, and mm-hmm. it's correlated directly to dust. So you know we we worked very hard, and we have some of the best engineers in the state that that really developed this. And um, so as the visibility drops. So does the speeds, and we have traffic loops that tell us what those speeds are, and we can drop the speed limit on that in section of interstate in between Phoenix and Tucson, um, seventy-five down to thirty-five. Now, that really depends on how the visibility is looking. So, but if it say it goes down, it, it drops below nine hundred feet or whatever. That's kind of our threshold to mm-hmm. down to about thirty-five miles an hour. We don't drop it seventy-five strictly to thirty-five. We drop them and you know, in steps. oh, you step it down. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the public, the traveling public's not going to see 75, 35, you know, they go 75, 65, 55, 45, 35. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it doesn't always drop to 35. Um, sometimes it just drops to 65. Again, it just depends on, on what's going on with the habu, um, or yeah, the dust site
0: distance. Now, do you ever, do you ever close that road because of the, because of the dust?
1: We, they usually do close themselves, unfortunately, um, it's never, uh, we've never closed the road because of the dust because they're so unpredictable, especially during monsoon season. So, um, there's been times where we've had dust warning or, uh, dust advisories and, and nothing really happened. So they have to cancel them. They is in the national weather service mm-hmm. and we partner with them. They do an outstanding job. And, and other times it's just a, such a, 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 a such a quick response. Like all of a sudden you'll have a dust storm. Now it, they're very good at knowing, um, you know, a room was most likely are the conditions are favorable for a dust system or dust mm-hmm. d- dust event.
0: But yeah, there's, there's some pretty unique weather going on with oh, those things, sure. right? The, the downdraft thunderstorms and oh, pushing it, that, it, that material it's amazing. Around
1: and, oh, absolutely. It's amazing. It's kind of this understanding the the, uh, kind of the, the dynamics behind it. And, um, I, I, I kind of consider myself like a weather geek in some ways. I'm just amazed with some of the stuff that, that happens. And, um, uh, with the dust and how they're formed and and all that stuff. and it, a lot of people just don't realize you know coming from other states that haboob or, or or the dust storms itself are very can be very dangerous and you know people need to respect the that aspect of it's it's probably no different than driving in a fog or in a heavy mm-hmm. snowstorm because the visibility that just drops and you just cannot see. and I mean, if you've been in Arizona any anytime during the monsoon, you will see a dust storm eventually.
0: Yeah. Now I think those things are, uh, as well, you know, you talked about the challenge of, of forecasting those things. And it's my understanding that you have some extra technology out there in, in, uh, on that stretch to sort of help you see what's going on out there.
1: And see, we do. So in between Phoenix and Tucson, we also uh, developed or we didn't develop, but we have a a X-band radar that we have out there. And that what that radar radar does it's in, it. It kind of fills the gap, you know. We're always trying to bridge, bridge gaps, and that radar itself is able to rotate, and it's it's able to really help fill in between um, uh, the radars in between in between Phoenix and Tucson. So they're able to detect storms a lot sooner, uh, the development of dust storms because the, the radars in Phoenix and Tucson don't necessarily always see those until it's really uh, r- until they're really moving or they're mm-hmm. getting reports or they're looking at cameras this radar that's in between uh Phoenix and Tucson is right smack in that corridor that I discussed um where we have the um the visibility sensors the the speed reductions and what that will do is basically give the the National Weather Service our partners in all of this uh even better information and the better they are the better we are and vice versa you know uh the better we are the, the the safer our traveling public
0: public will right. be now, did you work with the National Weather Service getting this radar site set up, or is that, is that pretty much uh, have an Arizona DOT sticker on the door going into it?
1: You know, that does have an Arizona DOT um, part of it, um, but we do have, you know, where they're going to partner, where we are partnering with them um, overall. So this this system, I want to, you know, uh, yes, they have. Overall, you know, we, we discussed this with them. This is kind of what we're looking at. This is what we want to do. Mm-hmm this is, you know, we don't want to just put something out there that is not going to be utilized. I mean, it's a radar. It's really cool. Um, but you know, national weather service, are you guys going to be able to use this? And they're, they're all over it. They absolutely, you know what I mean? Anything that we can do to help them invite, like I said, vice versa, that's what we're going to do. And, and, you know, we all have the same goals in mind. So
0: yeah, great partnership there.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're very fortunate in that aspect of having that partnership with our national weather service.
0: You know, when you think about a snowstorm and a blizzard, it's, it's sort of obvious, the the cleanup, the recovery pieces that that have to happen afterwards, you know, getting that snow off the road and all that other stuff. When, when you have one of these haboobs, is there recovery efforts kind of that have to go into there? Do you have blowing sand that you have to wrestle with? Um, is there is there cleanup that has to take place after that to get the road sort of restored back or… Not so Is much. Is it pretty much when it quits blowing? It's done.
1: It's pretty much when it's quit blow, When it quits blowing, it's pretty much done. Um, you know, we're very active, so are we're on alert when those when these dust storms come in, and we're on alert in the sense of of you know making sure that you know we we have our message boards, uh, you know, being proactive and letting the public know, hey, you know, dust event uh, occurring or something along those lines, and we want to make sure that we're getting them you know, as far away as they're coming in from New Mexico over, um, you know, we want to make sure that they understand that there is a dust event that is occurring in these areas. Um, As far as the maintenance goes, you know, we're just basically ready to roll in case there's an incident or an accident that occurs. There's nothing really, sometimes these dust storms are very short lived other times they're, you know, they can go on for, for quite a while, but you know, again, it's just visibility and making sure that everything is, is uh, working appropriately um, overall. So,
0: yeah. yeah. You know, Kevin, you mentioned the monsoon season. I I think that's, that's sort of different than like the rainy season. Um, it sort of conjures up images of, of, you know, really intense, quick rain storms that bring the flash floods and, and things like that as I, I imagine that's, one, another one of those weather challenges that you have to deal with uh, oh, across right. the state.
1: Oh, yeah, that is very challenging. And not only is it challenging the sense of, of blowing dust, the heavy rains that come down, because it can flood very, very fast. Um, you know, in a, in a desert area, as you know, um, the ground gets saturated very quickly. And we we do have some challenges with flooding, um, and in particular in some of the valley areas. And uh, we do have pumps and systems and a great team that that a resilient team that really goes out and makes sure our pumps are working and, and drains the, the Valley freeways. Um, so we do have those challenges and the blowing winds and the dust. Um, but more particular, I think what we really face is Arizona is very unique. And in the sense of, well, I shouldn't say unique only to Arizona, but in Western States is we get fires and it gets very dry. Oh, right. And what happens? Yeah, exactly. And what happens is those fires, they're the very difficult at the time, but they also leave behind a, a fire scar. And what happens when you you put water on top of a fire scar? Well, it floods. We get mudslides. Yep. There's nothing to stop those 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 mudslides or that debris flow to coming down onto our roadway. And it's happened, and it's it it happens ever since I've been in the position, and and um, it, we we get some kind of a debris flow across the roadway. And how do we, how do we do, how do we deal with that? Well, we deal with that by being proactive again and, and pre staging equipment and, and working with the National Weather Service and the, and the burn area response teams to, to understand, um, you know, what, what our flows are going to be, how bad was the burn from the fires. And, and, um, so understanding that will give us as, from a DOT perspective, you know, Where's the flow is going to be? Where's the debris flow possibly going to happen? Mm-hmm. And by doing, being proactive, you know, would we'll develop an emergency action plan. Um, we'll let our maintenance crews know. We'll be proactive, putting equipment closer by, so we can respond quickly. Yep. So,
0: you know, you, you think about floods and and you know in in flatter areas, right? It's like, oh yes, this river is going to flood and it's going to crest three days from now. You know, you have a little bit of time to to get ready and and so on, but when you get in these steep areas uh, like we see, you know, here in, in the West and the Southwest, it's like you get a thunderstorm and you get a flash flood that comes two hours later and it may last for five or six hours and then the water's gone and you have a tremendous amount of debris left over uh, to clean up. So, you know, warning the motorist and is, uh becomes a, a really super critical thing because it happens so fast oh absolutely I know, that, I, I know there's some flood warning systems down in Maricopa county and and so on that to sort of monitor that um I, I think that's another really cool use of of this technology like you said with a variable speed you know where you monitor it for a condition you sense it you provide the warnings real time uh you know time is of the essence when when you're trying to Protect people's lives and property.
1: Yeah, and we, you know, we do get those alerts from the net Na- or from the Maricopa County um, into our traffic operations center. So, working and understanding when when floods occur overall, um, and being like you said, being proactive is key. And um, you know, we our maintenance crews are always. I mean, we we have some of the best maintenance crews in the state. I tell you, and they're always out there. Um, you know, or I should say, across the nation, they're always out there, you know, cleaning cleaning the box culverts before storms and and you know making sure our um our ditches are cleaned and free of de- debris so that de- so the waters can flow the way they need to. Because you're right, I mean, it's not like back east where you know you get a flood warning and it's four or five days and you can see it coming and it it's going to crest over you know um, a river. I mean, here when it rains, it they'll his old adage goes, it rains, it pours. And mm-hmm. that's what happens. And, you, you know, and then five, you know, five hours later, it, all you, all you can see is remnants of, of debris. You, you wouldn't even known uh-huh. that there was rain that was, was there. So.
0: You know, you mentioned social media, You mentioned mm-hmm. the Twitter and, and Facebook. Um, are you doing any crowdsourcing kinds of projects where you're, you're getting feedback from, from those users uh, or is that social media pretty much a one-way flow of information for you?
1: no we do get we do get information back from the users um we do crowdsourcing we we uh we're one of the states that uh we have a uh, a team that's starting to look or they have been looking at crowdsourcing overall and it's something i'm still trying to wrap my ha- head around i think overall but you know getting that information and crowdsourcing and and understanding what it is that's out there you know one of the things that we really utilize is is um you know, uh, speed data out on the highways and, you know, through a, five one, one kind of a, uh, mm-hmm. a kind of a thing. You know what I mean? And I'm, I think that, you know, there's, I think there's so much you could do with crowdsourcing overall and understanding what's happening out on the roadway, especially during adverse weather events is going to be key. And I, I'm excited. I, I really am excited to work where we're going and what we're looking at and what, what the possibly possibilities are of crowdsourcing and, and, um, you know, I was listening to your podcast and, um, you know, the, uh, I can't remember, the lady out of Kentucky. That, yeah, Ran- it,
0: Randy. Randy Feldner. Yeah,
1: yeah it, was, it was so interesting just listening to that and and, and what they're doing with their crowdsourcing and the, the, res- the responding to emergencies. Like, they're getting alerts quicker. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. You know, is that... Yep. It, it, it's a very, it's a very unique, very unique opportunity for DOTS to really look at overall. Yeah. So
0: well, and, and and a lot of times the first step in the whole process is to send somebody out there and look and see. You know. Yes. And I mean that 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 takes a lot of time. It know, does. That it, happen to figure out how you're going to respond. You know.
1: Yeah, and you know when I was actually a superintendent up in the in the Northwest District, which kind of involved all of Mojave County and some of uh, a Yavapai, Yavapai County um, up along the I-40 corridor up there. We would have employees that would go look and see to see what was going on, and and um, overall, and it's it just uh you just didn't have and then you just didn't have the situational awareness that you really needed to have. So, giving our employees the tools to do the job the best that we can it is really coming all come a long way overall. So,
0: yeah, Kevin, what's in the future for the Arizona DOT with respect to road weather management?
1: You know, the what future. Are you, what are you working on? Oh man, the future is, is the limit for us. So I, you know, one of the things that kind of come, come to my mind is, you know, um, kind of look into grip sensor technology and, you know, utilizing that and how can we, you know, bur- you know, create less burden on our, on our traffic operations center by automating, you know, such things such as a DMS that whenever the, the, the grip sensor starts to see that the grip, or the friction is, is go- going lower. Could we automate it? The automate the uh, message board that says, you know, uh, snow conditions ahead or ice conditions or stuff along those those lines. So that's that's one aspect that we're really looking at. And um, you know, of course, we want to make sure that overall that that it, we'll pilot it and make sure that everything looks good and on our end um, from the internal standpoint. You know, we really want to look at um, you know some of the 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 states such as Minnesota or Iowa's where they have, you know, their five-on-one components and their snowplow cams on those different mm-hmm. different uh, platforms, you know, still looking at that and evaluating some of those opportunities as well um, as we move forward. But, um, you know, I think our big thing is going to be, you know, really looking at the mobile sensors overall and, and uh, really in, in, in honing in enhancing our skills on the dust system and, um, you know, continue, you know, our, our future, future endeavors and making the... One of the best road weather programs that I can, anyway. So,
0: well, it's great, you know. And I, it, it, you know, I think it really is fair to say that, you know, the challenges that you all have there in Arizona is are are, are as unique as your state. Oh, absolutely, Kevin. I want to thank you for visiting with us about about road weather and and the, what you've got going on there at ADOT.
1: Oh, fantastic! And Rick, thank you. It's so good to be on this side of the the, the, the podcast this time around. I've always been, you know, always like to listen in and and listen to what other states are doing, and and uh, it, it's really, it's 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 a it's a it's a great opportunity. I appreciate it.
0: Well, we're happy to have you here, Kevin, and and you you guys are doing some great stuff there, and and I think it's uh, it's great to be able to share it uh, with other folks.
1: Fantastic, thank you, Rick.
0: You know, as always, if there's a topic you'd like more information on, or if you have or if you know someone who has an interesting story like Kevin that you'd like us to visit with, send me an email at rnelson at ashto.org and we'll do our best to make it happen. Psychop Talks Winter Ops is available on all the major content providers, just about any place you go for your podcasts. Give us a like and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. In addition, you can find our episodes on our Facebook page, Ashto Psychop, and on our website, psycop.transportation.org. Support for PSYCOP comes from state DOTs who make an annual contribution of $4,000. It's because of those states that PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops and the other resources to help you achieve your winter maintenance mission are possible. Until next time, thanks for listening in and stay safe out there.